The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and visual teachings, visit mountainpark.org. Good morning, everyone. Wow, it's good to see you on this Labor Day weekend. My name is Don, and I'm your holiday pastor. Uh, can't wait for Christmas. That's me my next time here, maybe. Probably be the, like the day after Christmas, but anyway, I'm uh, I'm excited today because this message is not easy. It's it's tough. So I'm going to give it to you like in two or three sentences because I'm afraid most of you are going to go to sleep on me, which is okay. Just don't leave. If you leave, I get I hurt, I get my feelings hurt. But if you go to sleep, it's like, oh, I've comforted them, you know, and I feel, <laughs> I feel good about that. So here it is. Are you ready? The eternal God became human, became flesh, lived among us in the person of Jesus, taught, went to the cross, died, that if we believe in him, we will be saved from our sin, we'll be saved from death, we'll be saved from judgment. How many of that's the first time you've ever heard that? <laughs> You're going, that's tough? Stay with me. That one, that one truth, when we talk about foundation, is the foundation of all we believe. It is the foundation of the Christian faith. Anything outside of that is heresy. Everything you've learned about foundation teeters on the truth of that. You take this away, everything else means absolutely nothing. I don't care how long you come to church. I don't care how many good things you do. I don't care where you go. If this isn't true, it all collapses. So we're going to look at church history today. That's what scares me a little bit because church history. And we're going to look at your life and we're going to look at Scripture, and we're going to dig through this. That the eternal God, the infinite God, the all-knowing, all-loving, all-powerful, all-present, eternal God becomes human in a form that is fully God and fully human. Jesus is fully God, fully human. Here's, here's where all the issue comes up is, like, how can one person, Jesus, be Completely God in one body and completely person, her human, in one body. How can that happen? I mean, is he more like half God and half man? Is he like three quarters one and a quarter the other? Does he just kind of, how does that work? And it has been attacked and misunderstood for, for more than decades, for centuries. For one thing, our mind can't quite get around that thing. All God and all human. But then everything to undermine it now for, for centuries has come on. So John, when he writes in the Gospel of John, gives the whole book for one reason, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, and by believing you'll have eternal life. The 20th chapter says that. For 21 chapters, he just says, let me tell you about miracles, let me tell you about events, let me tell you about claims that Jesus had. He is God, and he is fully human, and he is here for the salvation of our sins. 
but he takes us on this vortex back to the very beginning. You got to go in a time tunnel. Now, Christmas is coming up, and Matthew, Mark, and Luke always deal with historic, the history and the flesh and the, the, the humanity of Jesus. You know, there's a little baby in the manger, there's shepherds, there's wise men, all that kind of thing. John says, I'm taking you to the supernatural. So we're going, we're going on, on time travel to the very beginning. Are you up for it? Here's, here's what I struggle with, and here's what you struggle with, even though you don't know. There's a difference in his humanity and his deity, and we have a tendency to focus on one or the other. Just think about pictures you've seen of Jesus. Now, nobody knows what Jesus looks like, but just think of, of pictures, artists' renditions. Here's, here's the one I grew up with. Anybody else grow up with that one? That was in our home. That was in our church. My, my, uh, my, my parents had a picture in their wallet of that. That's the Salmon, um, head of Jesus. There's a whole, he has a whole art rendition of it. it, it actually, it's in Anderson University. And um, there's, I, I was like 18 until I finally figured out that maybe Jesus doesn't look like that way. I mean, he... I thought he knocks on the door of your heart looking like that. He carries little lambs like that. I just thought that that's the way Jesus looks. And, and um, I'm, I'm probably going to be disappointed if he doesn't look that way. But um, I also had a friend um, who surfed a lot in Malibu who looked uh, quite a bit like that. But that's another thing. So my aunt had Catholic background. And in her, her living room was this. And... Uh, it, so I, as I look at some, you look at some of these pictures. What do you see more? Do you see divinity or humanity? Where's the focus? Divinity or humanity? I mean, here's the halo, and you know he's pointing to heaven, and I don't know what that is on his chest, but um, I, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> humanity or divinity? Now look at that one. Blue eyes. Blue eyes, mid-eastern, blue eyes, and he just got back from having his teeth polished. <laughs> He's going like, hey, Peter, they got this stuff that brightens your smile. We got a, re- got a great dentist. Look at this next one. Yeah, I like that one, bodybuilding Jesus. That's like, I'm going to come down off this cross and I'm going to put a knot on your head. I don't care what that helmet you've got on your head. It- this one is the newest one out that they say that probably is more of a rendition of, of, what, of what Jesus may look like, at least the Middle Eastern person that they would think in that time, which is so different than what I, I've ever looked at and saw. I've, I've never seen a Jesus without long hair, so I, I'm having trouble with that. But other than that, how different. I mean, I, everybody puts their own little qualms of what Jesus looks like or doesn't look like and humanity and divinity and all that kind of thing. And here's what I want you to know, that as we try to figure this out, it's nothing new. I mean, soon as soon as the early church got started, they started arguing over this. There was a group called the Gnosticists who the, they, they figured that God was so far up there that, that you would never, ever really get to know God and so that there, there was a more imperfect God that actually, actually created the world and created humanity. And, and frankly, he kind of messed up with us and so that we have all this garbage called sin that you just kind of just constantly deal with, but deep somewhere buried in there is this 
this true spiritual life that if you nurture it and nurture it, it'll start to grow and grow and you become more like God and the real God and, and all that kind of stuff. And the Gnostics were dealt with early in the early church. That gave way to this thing called docetism. The docetists said that everything flesh, all matter, all, everything that's made is evil, including your body. I mean, think about all the sin that you do. It's with your body, isn't it? So that's all evil, but the spirit is spirit. So, so Jesus could not be human because he'd be evil. He'd have all this nasty sin about him. So he's, he's just the spirit that kind of has this human likeness, this aberration of, of humanity. In fact, some people would say in this group that this, this Jesus of Nazareth, about the time he got baptized, the Holy Spirit of God came upon him and inhabited. So the Holy God is inhabiting the shell of humanity, which is far from perfect. It's a, it's a messed up body, but he, he does his best that he can. He teaches with it. He does his miracles. But when it comes time to die on the cross, somewhere along the line before he dies, the, that spirit goes back up to heaven, and only the human body of Jesus dies. But Jesus doesn't die. God doesn't die. You can't kill God. So this Thing. So Jesus never really died for our sins. It's a docetist. John, in his gospel, starts to address docetism, and especially in 1 John, he addresses the docetist, that this is heresy, this is craziness. The Gnosticists, it's craziness. You can't go that route. That, that Jesus has got to be fully God, and he's got to be fully human, and that anything else that doesn't fit into that is heresy. Well, the early church got a hold of these things and, and there was champions for about everything you could think about Jesus, focusing on his humanity, focusing on his divinity. And about the, about the year 306, a guy named Constantine became emperor of Rome and decided, I'm going to make Christianity the religion of Rome. Except for there were so many divisions in, in Christianity, so much fighting going on, and, and with all the other beliefs going on there, he was going, this is crazy. The empire will never be able to stand. And so he, he tries to get everybody together because the stability of the Roman Empire depended on, on Christianity coming together. In those days, this, this is the crazy part. In those days, they rioted in the streets. Uncivilized people. We never have rioting in the streets here. But they rioted in the streets, not over injustice, not over racial injustice, not over social injustice, not, not over, you know, never Trump or anybody but Hillary or whatever, none of that kind of stuff. They rioted over their belief of Jesus, who Jesus is. They wrote graffiti. They, they threw pamphlets at one another. They argued in the street corner. They, they turned over chariots. They rioted in the streets. And, Emperor Constantine said, enough is enough. If we're going to get together as an empire, I don't care what you come up with. Come up with something that we can all agree on. So you got, I have a little vacation house in this place called Nicaea, and he invited 318 bishops to come and figure it out. Now, if you've watched like the Da Vinci Code, you've heard about the Council of Nicaea. You know, it's this conspiracy of weird bishops that get together with nothing else to do but burn scripture and burn books they don't agree in with and to, and and to to bury reincarnation and to have all that's that's all makes a good movie it's all hogwash it just didn't happen that way but what they were in, what they wanted to do what they were given to do is figure out is Jesus God 
is there deity in this man we call Jesus? And what is his relationship to God? So there's three main players that, that were going around at that time in schools of thought. And let me just tell you, these bishops, by the way, they weren't guys like just coming out of some monastery somewhere with nothing better to do and didn't want to get their nails dirty and all that kind of thing. These were guys that, that most of them, they said, still bared the marks of the persecution that went on up until about 20 years prior to this. They were scarred from being beaten and flogged and burned and attempted to drown them. And they, they put their life on the line for Jesus. What they were trying to figure out about Jesus was, was not just theology or history. It was, this is, this is the life, well, this is the foundation of who we are. For centuries, people are, are, gonna, gonna, are gonna be guided by what we come up with here. Here's a school, three schools of Scott. There's a guy named Alexander, Archbishop Alexander. He was the Orthodox version. He just simply said, Jesus, the Son of God, has existed eternally. He's, he's the same substance as the Father. Eternally, they shared the same essence. He's God in full deity. It's Alexander. There's a guy named Arius who insisted that that, there, that Jesus was a good guy. He's not as bad off as you might think, some would say, but um, he's, he's created. He's a, he's a highly exalted being, great teacher, great prophet, but he's created. And his little phrase was this, there was a time when the son was not. There was a time when there was no Jesus. And he was made from a different substance. So there's the exalted God, and then lower, made of a different substance, still a pretty good guy, but still created and not quite God, is Jesus. Then there are all kinds of people in between. Eusebius was one guy, a historian, who said, no, it's not same substance, it's not a different substance, it's a similar substance. And what he was worried about is that the people that said it's the same substance, that there's one God, that this one God, how does that one God function if, if he functions like a son and like a Holy Spirit? And so there was a big thought going around like there was this big amoeba in heaven, this big God, kind of like the blob, which you see on, up there, and he would, he would inject himself into, into earth. So he would inject himself and act like the sun, and then he'd come back up. And he'd inject himself and act like the spirit, and then he'd come back up, but he was always just, he was just this one, and it was, I act like a son, I act like a spirit, but I'm one God. How would you like to be a part of that vacation house? <laughs> Trying to figure that out. Through a month of debates and study, they finally came to the, to the idea that, let me just tell you this, Alexander's right, that he's God eternal that he's always existed, and that he's of the same substance. In fact, here's the Nicene Creed in part. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of all things, visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the only begotten of the Father, of the substance of the Father, God of God, light of lights, true God of true God, begotten, not made, of the same substance as the Father, by whom all things were made in heaven and on earth, who for the sake of us men and our salvation descended, became incarnate, and was made man, suffered, arose again on the third day, ascended into heaven, and from where he will come again to judge the living and the dead. Stamp on it, boom, that's it. Three people disagreed, everyone else agreed. 
The Council of Nicaea had this creed. You think that solved it? Wouldn't that just solve it? Stated? No, it didn't. They still argued and they still debated. And what's interesting is these bishops were not saying, hey, we are the great hierarchy. We're the authority on this. You've got to believe what we're saying. They were just simply saying, we have to declare the truth. We're not trying to define the truth. We're not trying to come up with a new truth. We have to just declare what the Bible teaches, what Scripture teaches. And what kept this through the ages is not that the Nicene Creed states it, but that Scripture teaches it. Because most of you didn't know that there's anything like a Nicene Creed or a council of Nicaea. It's the scripture that continued for now thousands of years with this. But they're arguing over it still, and, they're, and now they're saying, okay, well, Jesus is, is God. We, the deity of Jesus, we give you that, but if, if indeed Jesus is God, how can he be human as well and be one person? And so there was all kinds of ideas trying to figure out how you can be both God and man in one body. So now, 100 years later, and they had like seven or eight councils, three and a half centuries debating this thing, it's not like they said, well, here, let's try it again next month. They went over and over and over. They came up with the Council of Chalcedon in 451 AD, and they affirmed that Arius was wrong, that the, the Nicene Creed was right, Jesus is Christ, he's deity. There was a guy named Apollinarius who thought that Jesus' divine nature had been displaced by his humanity, that when divinity came, it just pushed humanity out, and they said, no, 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 no. you got to keep affirming that 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 the humanity of Christ is real. He's all human. Then there was another guy that said, well, Jesus had two separate bodies. He had, he, had, or he had two separate natures. It's like two people in one body. No, no, no. He's one person. He has two natures. Well, there's another guy. Well, it's absorbed as divinity and all that kind of stuff. No, it's separate. There's two separate things. And so basically they came out with this. He's truly God. He's truly human. There's this hypostatic union for you theologians. It's a hypostatic union. One person, two natures. Whew. Are you getting hungry yet? Are we, are we okay? You are all very well. Okay, lunch is coming. Hang on. Here's the significance of that. Here's the significance of all this. This truth, this foundational truth that Jesus is fully God and fully human is not only what we build everything on, it is the distinctive mark of our Christian faith. Any group of people or any individual outside of that now for thousands of years has been declared not Christian. Doesn't matter how good a person you are, doesn't matter how wonderful, doesn't matter how much faith, doesn't matter how many good things you do, this has been declared the standard. And any assault to the deity of Jesus is heresy. Any assault to the humanity of Jesus is heresy. If Jesus is not God, our salvation is not complete. And if Jesus is not human, our salvation never came to us. It, it was never bridged to us. So that the one who paid for it is not God, and the one who paid for it is not human, our salvation is in jeopardy. So whether you ever can understand it, these councils are saying, whether you can ever put this whole thing together, what you've got to know is these are the, are, the, are the standard beliefs of who we are. Everything rises and falls on who Jesus is. So when John is saying in, in his gospel, I want you to be able to believe in the person of Jesus that you might have eternal life, he takes you back to the very first verse 
in chapter 1 of John. And let's look at that real, just real quick. It says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word. He loves this term, Word. It's the supernatural title he gives Jesus. It would have been a lot easier for him to just say, Jesus was with God, Jesus was God, in the beginning was Jesus. But he, he doesn't do that. He, he hits a different audience. In those days, there was a lot of Greek philosophers in the Greek culture that, that when they heard the word, word, they had an automatic idea that in their mind there was this universal, non-personal, energetic spirit force that kept the, the universe together, created the universe and held it together. It was wisdom. It was reason. It was principled order. It was, it was like the force. Think Star Wars. The force be with you. That's what they're, the force is out there. And John is saying to them, hey, this impersonal force out there, let me just tell you, it's a, it's a personal word. He became flesh. And to the Jewish hearers, the listeners of that day, the word of the Lord meant, oh yeah, okay, I got that. The word of the Lord came to Moses. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came to Isaiah. The word of the Lord has been written. The word of the Lord has always been the revelation of the Lord. And now it's the incarnate word. Ah, the word of the Lord has made made flesh to those hearers. And so all of a sudden, they start to perk up. And he says this. In the beginning, when was the beginning? Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, when it all started, in the beginning... When time and space was initiated, in the beginning, when time started to march, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was Jesus. Before anything started to march on, before anything was created, Jesus was. So that we know eternity on the other side is time marches on, time quits, and eternity goes. But before time marches on, there's eternity that way. And whatever that looks like, all we know is that when time started, Jesus already was. That there was never a time that there wasn't Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God. Co-equal with God. The pre-existence of Christ. Same as God. If you're not created, you're eternal. And if you're there, you're, 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 you are God. So that when God reveals himself to Moses, he says, I am who I am. And they say, oh, Yahweh, yes, I am. All throughout the book of John, John says, here's how Jesus reveals himself. I am the bread. I am the light. I am the good shepherd. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. One time he says, before Abraham was, I am. And they picked up stones to stone him. It was blasphemous. You're saying you're God? You're saying that you're equal with God? You're saying you're part of the, this, co, uh, this, co, this pre-existence with this eternal God? You're saying that's you? Yes. Because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. In verse 2, the Word was with God. Not only was he God... Not only is he God, but he was with God. So that it's not just one God, it's 
one God with two persons here, at least. He, 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 he has to be separate from God to be with God. And so there's this distinction. So that creation, there's the Father, there's the Word with the Father, there's the Spirit brooding over the, the, the dark abyss before the universe is put together. And the, the Trinity at the very beginning is placed together. They didn't create the Trinity at the Nicene Creed. They identified the Trinity. So that it's not just some amoeba up there that's acting like spirit and acting like sun, but pulling back and different all the time. It's, it's, it's Jesus being baptized in the water and the Father up in heaven saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And it's, it's the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. There's three separate, but yet there's still one. And our finite minds go, oh, well, beep, I can't get that. That's it. When your mind goes, beep, I can't quite understand it, you understand it. It's, un- it's a miracle. St. Augustine said, if you can explain the Trinity, you don't understand it. It's beyond our understanding. One God, yet three. But, it, but that's the basis of who we are and what we're all about as, as Christians. The word is eternal. Secondly, the word is is creator. I never understood this until I was an adult. Verse 3 says, Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that was made. Through him, the word, all things were made. Without him nothing was made. Nobody, no no thing made Jesus. He he was already there. He, in fact, he made everything that was made. Hebrews 1, 2, verse 2 says, In The last days he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. God's the designer. God is creator God. Old Testament over and over again talks about him that. But he made through the word the universe. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. For us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and from whom we live, and there is but one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. We We live, we move, we breathe through him. Thirdly, the word is the source of life and light. He's eternal, preexistent God. He's creator, and he's the source of life. Verse 4, verse 5, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. In him was life. He wasn't created. He wasn't given life. He is life. In him was life. In him was, was not the word bio, which we get biology. In him was not the, the physical life, even though he created all that. But in him was Zoe, the essence of life, spiritual life. A little baby has physical life that we can gauge and judge by, by a lot of physical things. But there's something that the DNA doesn't even pick up called the essence of life. God's the creator of life. He made the one single-celled animal and amoeba. He made this beautiful thing called the human body and human life. He made spiritual bodies and angelic beings, but more than that, he made spiritual life. The physical all goes away. The physical will die someday, but the spiritual lives forever. And the source of that is Jesus. The word is the source of life. So much so that that life is spread to all mankind like light to darkness. 
to this fallen world that is, has all this sin, all this brokenness in it, the light just comes in and, and permeates it. Unfortunately, the translation says, uh, and the light did not understand it. It's an unfortunate translation. Usually there's a little footnote in your Bible that says, and the light came in, and the darkness did not overcome it. The darkness did not overcome it. The idea is, it's like an animal that pounces. The darkness couldn't pounce on it and devour it. Darkness cannot pounce and devour light. Light always wins out. And the life of Christ comes as light in the darkness, no matter how dark this world is. Light wins every time. You can go into the darkest cave where you can't see your hand in front of you, but you can put, get the smallest little candle and light it, and that darkness permeates. Darkness has tried to stomp out the light. When Jesus was born, darkness killed babies by the thousands trying to stomp out the light, but it didn't work. The, the 40 days in temptation in the wilderness, but he couldn't stomp the light out. There was the prince of darkness fighting with everything he had against Jesus. There was demon after demon that fell in the, in the light of, of, of who Jesus was. There's the cross where you think of all the dark things there's going to win, and the light still won. Darkness couldn't consume the light. And John says, this word became flesh and the light came on in all of our lives. So what's all that mean? What, what does it mean for you and me? A couple things I would just leave you with. If Jesus is all God and he's all human, that means he he has a different understanding. He became like humans. We can't become gods, but we can sure have a relationship with him who is a God. I don't know about you, but I want him to be my rabbi. I want him to be my teacher. I want to learn from him. I've made some stupid choices and some stupid mistakes by me being just independent of needing Jesus. I can do it my own way. I can make it on my own. I, I've got a better idea than what he, this, this church stuff, this God stuff, it's, it's back in the centuries. No, God knows his ways are a little higher than my ways. I wanna learn from him. I, wanna, I want forgiveness. If he's God and that's, that's the standard and I'm human and I'm falling short, when he comes and he offers to take my sin upon himself and to offer it up to God and to receive the, the judgment on my behalf, I, I don't know about you, but I want to repent. I'm not going to go around and say, I ain't got no sin in my life. I got my life. I got it together. Let, let me just tell you, you better off. You might be the only person ever to live your whole life without sin other than Jesus. God bless you. We'll make a church to you next time. <laughs> but if you're like me, it's like, I need to repent. I need forgiveness. And if God wants to forgive me, Give me this, I'm all up, I'm for that. He's my Lord, I'll surrender to him. If he's God, I'll sur I, he's not my co-pilot, he's the pilot. I'll surrender to him. Where he leads me, I'll follow. He says go, I'll go. I, he says how much, he's got it all. He's God, I'm human, and yet he wants to talk to me, and he wants to hear me. He wants to hear my prayers. I'm going to pray. The word, the pre-existent God, the force, 
care so much about me that he wants to hear my humanity, my needs, my flesh. And I pray. God, human, Jesus becomes the bridge and he meets us there. His presence is there. We have presence with God there. Humanity and God, heaven and earth, touching together. Every time we gather in in a building like this, every time we gather with two or three people, we gather right there, the bridge between heaven and earth, right there between all God is and and who I am. I, I wanna worship him. I don't wanna play church. I wanna worship him. I wanna open my heart to him. I wanna recognize there's nowhere else I can go and be touched by God, but in Jesus, in Jesus he meets me. In Jesus, I'm touched by God. In Jesus. So when John's closing up this whole idea, he, he talks about, would you, would you believe? If you don't believe what God says about Jesus, you miss it. You miss Jesus, you missed everything. Chapter 8, verse 24, he said this, I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be, you will indeed die in your sins. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but let me just tell you what I figured out from this scripture. You don't want to die in your sins. That's not a good thing. But if you believe in him, if you believe who he says he is, John 1.12 says, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Wow. Wow. The foundation to be his children is belief in in his name and who he says he is. Are you there? Do you believe that? Have you followed him? Do you give it all to him? You could have walked in here today in darkness and in brokenness. And I just want you to know that the light of Jesus Christ cannot be consumed by darkness. There's no sin that you've done. There's no brokenness that you have. There's no shadow in your life that cannot be illuminated by the light of Jesus Christ. You don't have to walk out of here in the same darkness you walked in. You can walk out of here as a child of God. Would you bow your heads with me? We're going to sing a song about the light and taking the light to the world. I just, I just want to give, I'm going to give Christ opportunity to, to set up his light in you, that you would just turn the switch on and say, I, I'm, I'm there, illuminate me, Jesus. I'm, I'm all in, I believe. Your head's bowed. If, if you would like to just sit real quick, say, Don, would you pray for me? I'm, I'm turning the light on today. Would you just raise a hand and say, Don, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with Christ. Yeah, there's a lot. Keep, keep, keep them up. Bunches of them. Bunches of you. Bless you guys. Bless you guys. It's, it's that simple. Jesus, I follow. Turn the light on. Heavenly Father, you've seen the hands go up. It's more than just a hand going up. It's it's a time for the supernatural event of the gospel to take place. That the risen Christ, the word, 
who's been here before the existence of time, the Word, not only comes and dwells on earth, dwells in our hearts. I pray that you'd come into each, each life that seeks you. I pray that the darkness in our, in our lives would, would be illuminated and that Mountain Park Church would be a bright light in this community. That we would take the light that we feel and that we, that we, that's glowing in us and Monday through Friday we would, we would just shine that light everywhere that people would see and know. They would look and recognize there are children of God. Jesus lives in them. Thank you in Jesus' name. Let us stand as we sing this last song.